Good morning, church. Uh, this morning, we're wrapping up our third part in our series, uh, Loving Like Jesus in a Fractured World. Uh, three Sundays ago, I, I, I shared this statement. Uh, it seems to me that we live in a world, a nation, a state, uh, a community, and we live in families uh, that are very fractured, uh, that are very polarized, and that are divided. And uh, there was a, 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 an agreement uh, on the people back three weeks ago, and I, I dare say that there's probably an agreement today. And so the question that I think we have to ask ourselves, and how do we react uh, to this reality as followers of Christ, how is it that we uh, respond to this reality by providing a message of hope, of um, unity, of love, and of peace in this fractured world? And how do we do it with authenticity? How do we do it understanding that we are called, we are set apart uh, from the world as followers of Christ uh, to, to live in a, in a way that is different from everyone else. And yet, here's the challenge that I find as a pastor, and I think that you find also as you are living as a disciple of Christ, is that there are uh, so many of us uh, in the church and uh, outside the church who call themselves followers of Christ who really there is no distinction, no, no, there's no way of dis making a distinct, uh, distinction uh, between uh, the followers of Christ and those who are not followers of Christ. And, and the reality is that I, I think that what, what has happened in our world today is that there are so many people inside the church, people who are part of the body of Christ, and, and we just continue to live our lives like we did before we, we became disciples of Christ. And, and to me, that's a challenge. And for me as a pastor, for you as a, a disciple, the question that I have to ask myself and I have to ask you is, how do you and I expect to live differently from the world than what we are doing today? Do we see the ways in which we are living our lives uh, in, 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 in the worldly ways with the same uh, criticisms and the same judgment and the same um, attitudes of the world rather than uh, the way of the gospel. And so today I just want to simply try to wrap up this series by, by looking at how do we act as representatives of the world and uh, representatives of the kingdom of God and how is it that we can live differently uh, than perhaps we are today and affirm those qualities that we need in order to be fully devoted followers of Christ. So today I've chosen to read uh, from, uh, the, um, from the book of Paul to the church in Corinth, the second book actually. And, and this book uh, is, is one that is positioned in a world that is very similar to, the, to our world. Uh, Paul is speaking in this fifth chapter all the way actually through uh, this book of, of Corinthians, second chapter of Corinthians, chapter 5, beginning with verse 16. Uh, he is really t looking at a world that is broken, fractured, divided, polarized. And he's trying to speak a word of hope and truth to their lives. Now, let me just remind you of who Paul was 
and who he continues to be in our lives. Uh, I think it's very vitally important for us to understand uh, that uh, Paul, as we know him today, uh, that was not his first name. And for those of you who are relatively new to the church, you may not know that. Uh, Paul's first name uh, was Saul. Saul was a, a, a Jew who studied under the great uh, tutelage of Gamaliel, who was the, uh, the rabbinical teacher that was teaching uh, students to be uh, faithful to the teachings of the Torah. And, and, and so Saul took that all in and became a great radical uh, of, the, of the message of the Old Testament. And, and so he said, you know what? Right after the time of Jesus, Jesus was crucified, Jesus was buried, Jesus raised, and then started the Saul going out. And Saul went out to the far regions of that land and started to bring uh, believers of Christ uh, back into Jerusalem so that they could be stoned. And that's how radical he was. Now, um, I think that most of the children have left. If there are still some children in the house, let me just ask parents so that you might need to uh, after the sermon to, uh, to debrief them on what I'm ab- about to share with you because I think it's important for us to understand uh, the reality of, of, of what Saul, who Saul was and about um, what he did to so many followers of Christ. And that is that he went out, brought Christian believers back to Jerusalem, and he had them stoned. Now let me make sure you understand how stoning took place. Uh, they would dig a ditch of about four feet deep, uh, and they would place the person to be stoned inside uh, the hole. And then they would uh, take the dirt and, and cover the person so only from their waist up is showing. And so that way they had very little means of moving, and they were just, uh, just uh, uh, there, uh, and nothing, they couldn't do anything. And so the people that were going to be stoned usually positioned this hole in a place that there was a, an elevation above where the stoning would take place. And so uh, there would be a cliff of some kind. And so the persons would climb up on top of the cliff, carrying the heavy stone right above that person. And they would drop the stone on their heads, on their body. And one person after another after another did that. And Saul uh, was one of the greatest um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, persecutor, thank you. That's a great word, persecutor. Uh, great persecutor of the early uh, disciples of Christ. And in fact, he stood there one day as another apostle of Christ uh, by the name of Stephen was stoned to death. He was actually carrying his coats while he watched the stoning. That's who, that's who Saul was. And then one day he had an experience with Christ. His eyes were blind. He then had his eyes uncovered and revealed the goodness of God through his son, Jesus Christ, and and he became the greatest missionary the church has ever known. So I just went through about 35 years of history in about one sentence. Uh, So um, so that's who who Saul was, that's who Paul was, and the message that Paul was trying to communicate in this text today is one in which he is speaking to a very divided, fractured, polarized church, as well as a fractured, polarized, divided community and culture. And so there is this friction right here. And so this friction that was uh, held throughout the, uh, the story of the, of the New Testament 
is one that uh, we are facing within the United Methodist Church as well. Uh, some of you know uh, that um, uh, we have a special called session of the General Conference, which is our policy-making body, uh, which has about 864 delegates from around the world. And, and they will be arriving later this week in St. Louis. And they're going to be uh, debating uh, one topic that has been a prevalent um, point of discussion uh, since 1972. Uh, when the language was placed into the Book of Discipline, our guidebook, uh, that says that we do not believe that homosexuality is compatible with Christian teaching. And ever since that day, uh, it has been the, the biggest topic of, uh, of debate uh, that the church has had. And over the last 20-plus years, it has been uh, the issue that has dominated our general conference, so much so uh, that uh, we've not been able to move forward with, forward with much of our other mission that we're called to do as the body of Christ. And, and, and so this special called session is, is, to, is for us to look at some plans. Uh, there's, some of these plans are at the Welcome Center. You can go back there and get them afterwards if you want to know some of the details. But we, we are going to be facing this issue of uh, do we uh, live into this language that says we do not believe homosexuality is compatible with Christian teaching? Or is there another way of looking at this where we can continue to live together even though we don't have harmony but we're still living together as the people of God known as United Methodists? Now, let me just share with you that here at Cypress Lake United Methodist Church, uh, we have a wide diversity uh, of theological opinion on, on many matters, uh, but especially on this matter. Uh, we, we, they're, 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 in this subject matter, there's lack of uh, uh, understanding together, uh, lack of togetherness, uh, because of, some would say it's a biblical mandate. And while I agree with that, I also believe it's a biblical mandate that we should not commit adultery, that we should not lie, that we should not uh, perform other acts that are against the, the Torah or against the law of Jesus. And, and my question is, am I going to lift one above the other? Now, while I hold on to my personal theological position, and I'll let you know what that is, that I agree with the statement from, the, from our book of discipline today, but I also have so many friends that are part of the gay community, part of the LG, LGBTQ community. And, 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 and I'm suffering with them, and I'm struggling with them, and they're speaking uh, what they know to be truth into my life. And if we decide, if we decide as the body known as United Methodists to splinter over this issue, which is a vital issue, but if we decide to splinter, my question is simply this. What will be the next subject matter that will come up that will call us to splinter again? Because there will be one. There has been one since the beginning of time. I look at my African-American brothers and sisters, and there was a splintering of black churches and white churches. In fact, still this hour of worship is still one of the most segregated hours in the entire life of the planet. But my question is simply this. 
while we can each hold on to our theological positions, and while we can uh, live in the sense of the lack of harmony around this issue, am I not better? Am I not a better person, a better theologian, a better pastor? Living with all people rather than my just selecting who I'm going to live with and who I'm going to do ministry with. And, and, and I'm burdened by that. And, and, and so as I was thinking about this entire sermon series and thinking about how is it that we live together rather than segregating, rather than separating ourselves, I am far more better with my friends who are part of the LGBTQ community than I am in living with only those who believe like I believe. And I, I, I'm just having this real struggle, and as your pastor, I just feel it's important for me to say that. Because if we aren't willing to live together in these hard issues, then uh, what will it be? What will it be like? in our future. And so I just invite you, as you listen to this message today, I invite you to think about how we live in a world that's called to be, to look through a different set of lenses, how we're called to be people who, who, are, who are called to be uh, reconcilers rather than dividers, and how we are called to be ambassadors for Christ in a broken, fractured and polarized world. And so I just invite you now to listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21, and allow these words uh, to instruct, equip, and inform who we are today. So listen as Robert uh, shares this word with us. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. My friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. I want to reflect on three aspects of the Scripture with you. I want to look at verse 16 and 17, then I want to look at verses 18 and 19, and then verse 20 with you. I think the, the first thing that I take out of this passage of Scripture is that when we become followers of Jesus Christ, uh, we get a new perspective. We get a new perspective. And, and what I mean by that is that when... I say, yes, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, that I uh, look through, look to life and look th uh, through my eyes, through my lenses in a different way 
than I did before. Uh, it would be like this. It would be like I have my old set of lenses uh, in, in one hand, and, and so when I become a follower of Christ, I take off these lenses and I put on these lenses uh, that has a different focal point, that has a different way of seeing the world. And, and I think it's vitally important that you and I begin to examine what set of lenses are we exploring are we seeing the world through? And, and, I, and I think the challenge for us is that for so many of us, it's almost as if uh, we are living our lives with one set of our old lens on, looking at the world through culture, and one set of looking at the world uh, through Scripture and through the experiences of Christ. And we are living in this tug-of-war, this internal tug-of-war of what it means to be a living disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and, and the longer we keep this set of lenses on, the more we focus on how is it that the world is calling us to live and moving us away from the, from the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one of love and hope and unity and peace. When we stop looking at the world through these and we put these on, we're going to be able to see at least the way Christ calls us to see. Now, maybe, maybe I need to describe it in a different way. So one of my favorite movies is National Treasure. Um, and the story is about Benjamin Gates. And uh, Benjamin Gates is an explorer who is a treasure hunter for national treasure. And, and he's looking for this treasure. And one of the clues that he finds is that he, he finds a set of uh, eyeglasses created by Benjamin Franklin. And he has stolen the Declaration of Independence. And he looks at the Declaration of Independence and as he looks at it uh, with his naked eye or with his one set of glasses on, he, he doesn't see anything. Uh, but when he puts on the special glasses and he looks at the back of the declaration, he sees something new. So let me invite you to look at this clip. Spectacles. What is it? Is it a treasure map? It says here at the wall. Spelled with two E's. Take a look. Hmm. Wow. Why can't they just say go to this place and here's the treasure, spend it wisely? So listen to this passage of scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. So... From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. What's he saying here? We, we don't see people like we saw them before. That when we put on our, our, our spiritual glasses, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, uh, when we decide that we're going to view the world uh, not through the, the spectrum or the, 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 the lens of uh, of tragedy and, and polarization and anger and hatred, but that we're going to put on the lens of Christ to see things, and that we're going to look at people in a different way. It doesn't make any difference about their nationality or about the language or about their creed or about their, uh, 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 about their 
uh, race, it doesn't make any difference anymore because all people are created in the image of God and therefore they are supposed to be loved by us because we are partners in the world of what God is doing. So how's it going? Yeah. If, if you're not sitting here and thinking, uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure about that, Tom. I, I'm having trouble with that. Then I think that you'd be lying to yourself. Because the, the, the pull of this world, the pull of society and culture is so powerful that it's just keeping us, uh, uh, keeping us focused on, uh, on what the world wants us to see rather than why God sent his son into the world in the beginning. You see, the, the world that God sent his son Jesus Christ into the world looks very similar to the world that we live in today. It's a world that is filled with anger, polarization, frustration. And, and, and God says, you know what, I, I've got to try to change this. I've got to try to change the world that we're living in. And so I'm going to send this child that's going to grow and going to be ra- raised up in the world to bring a different message. And again, that message is hope, hope Harmony, unity, love, and peace. I have an eye exam coming up on Tuesday. Tuesday afternoon, 4 o'clock, I'm, be, I'm going to be sitting uh, in, in, in the doctor's office to have my eyes examined, and, and they're going to look at it because I've been having trouble over the last three or four months uh, not seeing things as, uh, as good as I have in the past. And so the doctor, I, I'm almost certain the doctor is going to say, uh, we need to change the prescription of your lenses in order for you to see a little bit more clearly, or I hope a, lo- a lot more clearly. And, and, and I think that what is happening with this passage of Scripture today is that this is the examination of our souls, of our spirits, that says that we're called to examine our spirits so that we can live in Christ and not of this world. Look at this next text from the 17th verse. It it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new is here. Don't we want to accept that? Don't we want to claim that? See, there's conflict in this room right now, isn't there? Because if if we, uh, I'm just going to get a little bit bold with you, uh, that if, I would have asked that question and you would have been right with me, then I think that would have been a response. So let me ask it again, just to check me out. So let me read the text. So, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old is gone. The new is come here. What do you think? Amen? But, boy, is it tough. It's just tough. But that's, that's where we begin. The second part is this. The second part is I've been looking at this passage. It really is talking about a message of rec- reconciliation, what Pastor Robert was talking about in his prayer. And, and, and it's so very interesting. We look at verses 18 and 19 of this text uh, that four times uh, the word or, or the root of the word reconcile is used in, this, in, this, uh, in these two verses of Scripture. I think that Paul is trying to tell us something. In fact, if you have your teaching notes, I want you to underscore these four words, uh, all the root of the word reconciliation. 
It says this, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting uh, people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, a message of restoration. Who it is in your life right now, who in your life this very minute, husband, a wife, a mother, a father, a child, aunt, uncle, relative, neighbor, person at work, who is it in your life right now that you are not living in harmony with and need reconciliation? That's what Paul's talking about. He's saying that if, if we are willing to listen to the gospel message, if we're willing to listen to this message, and we, we have to find a way of living it to the fullest and that we're called to be reconcilers in the world, the rest of the world is going to be doing what it is doing already. It's only going to be amping up the power of evil. And so Jesus says, I want to use the church, I want to use the body of believers to, to really amp up reconciliation. And I believe that's what, that's, what, that's what Jesus Christ came for, to reconcile the world to himself. Well, let me, the third part, I'm running out of time. Let me just get to the third part. The third part simply says uh, that uh, we are called to be representatives of Jesus and his kingdom. We are called to be representatives. Look at verse 20. It says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So the question I have for you is this. Does your interaction with people today represent a reconciliation and represent being an ambassador for Christ? Is that the way you're living your life? Or are you having the old set of lenses on and you are living your life as an ambassador of culture and tradition here in this country or whatever country of the world? When I was in uh, ninth through um, uh, 11th grade, I had the privilege of uh, uh, being with my mother and father uh, uh, as missionaries in South America. Uh, we were missionaries in a small country called Uruguay, uh, which is south of Brazil, north of Argentina, and to the east of uh, Paraguay. Little two and a half million people. And uh, I went to the British school, and uh, uh, part of the benefits of being a part of the British school is that the ambassador, uh, Jeffrey Jackson, and his family, who had children at the school at that time, uh, invited us over to the embassy's home uh, to have uh, a dinner and a movie night. And that happened quite frequently. And um, it, it was such a wonderful experience that uh, I got to sit there and speak to the ambassador just as a, a, young, a young boy, young man. And, and, I, and, I, and I really loved what I saw uh, because uh, the ambassador just really lived out portrayed to, to, the, to the world, whoever saw him, 
that he was uh, coming to bring the policies and love of, the, of, the, of Great Britain to uh, this land of Uruguay. And I'm thinking, man, I love that. And plus, the cool thing is that he got to drive in a, in a, in a very special car, and he got to be chauffeured everywhere, and it had that flag on, on the front. That's not the right flag, but, but he had a flag on the, on the hood, and wherever that went, people just kind of knew that, that, that he was the ambassador. How do people know that you're an ambassador for Christ? Do people know that you're an ambassador for Christ? Do they? Or, I'll go back to the beginning of the sermon, do, uh, do they not see any difference between you uh, and non, non-believers, who are your friends, my friends, do they see a difference in the way you live your life? Or is it so private, your faith so private, uh, that nobody knows that you are a believer of Jesus Christ? And the Scripture says very clearly, we are called to be ambassadors for Christ. So uh, someone told me the story not too long ago. Uh, it, it's a story about a, an older gentleman, which is not too hard to find in Fort Myers, uh, an, an, an older gentleman who is driving uh, down or driving up Summerlin uh, towards uh, Cypress Lake, and he had just passed Gladiolus, and the traffic was pretty congested, and he noticed in his rearview mirror that there was a, a younger uh, driver uh, who is uh, darting in and out of traffic, and just as they get up to Cypress Lake Drive, this younger driver gets in behind him, and just at that time, the light turns yellow, and the older gentleman does what he's supposed to do, and he uh, stops his car, and the younger driver right behind him is just flipping him the one-finger wave and cussing him out and, and just yelling at the top of his lungs, and, and, and the guy is just ranting and raving, and, and, and all of a sudden, a, he, this, the younger guy hears a knock on his window, the passenger window. And he looks over there, and he rolls the window down. And who should be standing there but a police officer? And the police officer wasn't too happy. He, he, he looked at the guy, he pointed, he says, pull over there. So the guy, the young driver, pulled over there to the side, and he got out of his car, and the police officer uh, was there, and he put handcuffs on him and took him off to jail. And he stayed there for two hours. And uh, after two hours, another police officer goes to the cell, takes him out, brings him to where the arresting officer was, and the arresting officer says, I am so sorry for the mistake, uh, but I was watching you as you were uh, cussing and, and yelling at this man and flicking him off, and, 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 I, and I looked at the back of the car and I noticed that on the back of the car there was a, a WWJD a bumper sticker, What Would Jesus Do? And then there was this emblem, emblem of the fish on the back with a cross on it. And, and I just knew that this car had to be stolen. <laughs> and I just have one question for you. Was that you? <laughs> now, we can laugh about that. I, I, I like the story, too. We can laugh about that. But the reality is, that is the way many of us are. We, 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 we are living this world much of the time like this, with our old glasses on. 
we allow much of this world to come into our lives and it just uh, paralyzes us from being uh, the disciples of Christ that God is calling us to be, to be transformers and reconcilers of the world uh, that we might be able to bring a message of hope, love, peace, and joy. But people won't hear us because they see and experience us living in the world, worldly ways. And so we, we have a new perspective. When we become followers of Jesus Christ, we literally are given a new perspective. We literally are given an opportunity uh, to be reconcilers because that's our new mission. That's our mission, to be reconcilers. Or uh, we are given the privilege and the, and the blessing and the opportunity to be an ambassador for Christ in the world. I think we have to be asking ourselves the question, what would happen if I, if you, if we individually decide to live our lives in such a way that it brings honor and glory all to God and that we get to live in harmony with the love and peace and unity of Christ for the world? And so that's my hope and my prayer. You know, in the first part of the series, I talked about uh, that, we're to, that we're, we're supposed to treat people with dignity, meaning that all people are created in the image of God. And then we're supposed to understand that diversity is the way that God created us. Diverse. And that we're supposed to live in community. We're supposed to love. And then last week, we talked about being how we focus on the marginalized of the world. Uh, how, how do we... How do we put people down? And, and Jesus simply says, in the example of the two men who were blind, uh, Jesus simply did what? He listened, he stopped, and he looked. And, you know, these words that are spoken here in the, in the teaching time can simply be words. Or you and I can decide to do something with them. We can actually have an application of the Scripture so that when we leave here today, we will desire nothing more and nothing less than to live as a fully devoted follower of Christ, as an ambassador for Christ in a world that is broken, fractured, polarized, and divided. Christ wants to make a difference in our lives. We can either live in the world or do everything we can to live in Christ. And that's my message of hope for us. So let's pray. God, it's tough. It's tough to live in this world because we are so pulled. We're, there's such a, a strong magnet of the culture of our times. And we sometimes just forget about the, the message of the gospel, mess, the gospel and the gospel and the message of Paul. So come, open our ears, open our hearts so that we can experience what it means to be reconcilers of the world as ambassadors of Christ. And we offer this prayer in your name. Amen.